Now let's stand up and praise the King this tonight. <laughs> Are you glad to be in the house of God tonight? Are you glad to worship the King tonight? In the midst of all the daily activities and all the stuff that we do during the week with work and just household stuff, it's good to come and get refreshed with other believers and worship the King. Put it all aside and remember the great things that God has done for you. And let's give him praise. Walking around these walls I thought by now they'd fall But you have never failed me Waiting for change to come Knowing the battles won for you have never failed me yet. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. Seal in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never failed me yet. Never failed me yet. Oh, and I know the night won't last. Your word will come to pass. Oh, my heart will sing your praise again. Jesus, you're still enough. Keep me within your love. Oh, my heart will sing your praise again. Oh, your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands, and this is my confidence. You've never failed me yet. Oh, yeah. Never failed me yet. I've seen you move. You move the mountains. And I believe I'll see you do it again. You made a way. Well, there was no way, and I believe I'll see you do it again. I've seen you move, you move the mountains, and I believe I'll see you do it again. You made a way when there was no way, and I believe. 
still stands great is your faithfulness your faithfulness I'm still in your hands oh this is my confidence you never fail me yet you never fail me yet Never will forget oh, that you never failed me. So I will build my life upon your throne. It is a firm foundation. trust in you alone and I will not be shaken and I will build my life upon your love it is a firm foundation and I will put my trust in you and I will not be shaken and holy. There is no one like you. There is none beside you. It opened up my eyes in wonder. Show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those Father God, we build our life on your love, Father. You are the center of our life. You are the hub of our life. Father, you're not just a part of our life. You're not something that we just designate a, a few minutes a day for. But, Father, you are the center of our lives. 
You require that, Father. When we call you Lord, it means that you are above all, everything to us. Everything branches off of you. You're not just one of the branches. You are the tree. You're the vine. Oh, worthy of every song you could ever sing. You're worthy of all the praise we could ever breathe. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. Jesus, the only above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you and only there is no one like you. There is none beside you. You opened up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those so Round and holy, there is no one like you, there is none beside you. You opened up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around. I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation, and I will put my trust in you alone, and I will not be shaken, and I will build my life upon your love it is a firm foundation and i will put my trust in you alone and i will not be shaken and whole there is no one like there is none beside you opened up my eyes in wonder and show who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. Oh, Lord. Holy, 
is none beside Open up my eyes in wonder Show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. Father, your love is unending. There's no limits to what you would do to get our attention. There's no limit to what you'll do to bring us back to you. Father, if you're willing to send your own son, your only son, to die a gruesome death on a cross, to pay a price that we couldn't pay, why would we ever think there's something that, that we've gone too far? that we can't be brought back. We've messed up too many times that you won't accept us back. Why do we even believe those lies? Because if there's something that we could do that can never be brought back, Father, then your son Jesus' blood was not enough. But Father, I know that your blood, the blood that your son shed, Jesus, the name above every name, his blood is more than enough. There's still power in the blood. There's still power in the blood. You loved us that much, Father. You loved us that much. Like a tidal wave. Crashing over me, rushing in to meet me here. Your love is fierce, like a hurricane that I can't escape. Tearing through the atmosphere, your love is fierce, like a tidal wave. Crashing over me. Rushing in to meet me here. Your love is fierce like a hurricane that I can't escape. Tearing through the atmosphere. Your love is fierce. Your love is fierce. Oh. Fierce. Your love is fierce. Oh, chase me down. You seek me out. How could I be lost? You have called me found. You chase me down. You seek me out. How could I be lost when you have called me found? You chase me down. 
you seek me out. How could I be lost? Would you have called me found? You chase me down. Will you seek me out? How could I be lost? Would you have called me found? Oh, like a tidal wave crashing over me, rushing in to meet me here. Your love is fierce like a hurricane that I can't escape. Tearing through the atmosphere, your love is fierce. Your love is fierce. Your love is fierce. Your love is fierce. Oh, like a tidal wave crashing over me. Rushing in to meet me here, your love is fierce, like a hurricane that I can't escape, tearing through the atmosphere, your love is fierce, your love is fierce. There's no, there's no distance that we could go that, Father, you wouldn't chase us down. You wouldn't come running after us. Father, as imperfect beings, Father, we give up. But, Lord, you never give up. You said you'll never leave us and you'll never forsake us. You'll constantly come and bring things in our path to remind us of you. And Father, sometimes even as Christians, we've gone through the motions for so long that we're not awed by your love anymore. Sometimes we've gone through the motions for so long that we forget we forget that how much it took to pay the price for the sin in our heart and our lives. Sometimes we forget how much you actually love us. Oh, Lord, remind us. Remind us that first night when we felt the weight of the world lift off of our shoulders. When we realize that the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator of the heavens and the earth loves us. The weight that was lifted off of our shoulders when we bowed before you and said, Lord, I am yours. And he said, just lay it on me because my yoke is easy. Ooh. Remind us of the night when we thought there was no hope and somehow 
a miracle happened and you delivered us out of whatever situation we was in. Remind us of the, the time when we didn't see any way to pay the bills of the house. And miraculously, you provided. Remind us of the times, Father God, that we slipped up over and over and over again. And you just kept and kept on and kept on forgiving us and picking us up, dusting us off and putting us in the right spot. Remind us of the times when we felt your arms around us and that loving embrace around us, Father. Oh, yeah. Then we can sing the song. Then we can sing the song. Like a tidal wave. Crashing over me, rushing in to meet me here. Your love is fierce, like a hurricane that I can't escape. Tearing through the atmosphere, your love is fierce, like a tidal wave. Crashing over me, rushing in to meet me here. Your love is fierce, like a hurricane that I can't escape. Tearing through the atmosphere, your love is fierce. Your love. Fierce. Your love is fierce. Your love is fierce. And breathing new life in trifles I hear the echo the sound of heaven's soul your spirit's calling me I know it's time to go and I can't stay here anymore you're breathing new life in to dry bones I hear the echo the sound of heaven's soul your spirit's calling me I know it's time to go and I can't stay here anymore cause I can't stay here Asleep to how you're moving, I can't stay here. Walk in place anymore, and I can't stay here. And my heart's full of longing, I can't stay here. Oh, I know what I'm made for. You're breathing new life. 
begin to drive bulls. I hear the echo, the sound of heaven's song. Your spirit's calling me. I know it's time to go, and I can't stay here anymore. I can't stay here. I've awakened to your whisper. I can't stay here. Oh, you tell me there is more, and I can't stay here. My heart's full of longing, I can't stay here. Oh, I'm running for the door. You're breathing new life into dry bones. I hear the echo. The sound of heaven's song, your spirit's calling me. I know it's time to go, and I can't stay here anymore. And I can't stay here anymore. And I can't stay here anymore. I'm ready for deeper. I'm ready for furious flood. I'm ready for your glory. I'm ready for kingdom come. I'm ready for deeper. I'm ready for furious flood. I'm ready for glory. I'm ready for kingdom come. I'm ready for deeper. I'm ready for furious flood. I'm ready for your glory. I'm ready for kingdom come. You're breathing new life into dry bones. I hear the echo, the sound of heaven's song. It's calling me, and I know it's time to go, and I can't stay here anymore. You're breathing new life into dry bones. I hear the echo, the sound of heaven's song. Your spirit's calling me. I know it's time to go, and I can't stay here anymore. And I can't stay here anymore. I can't stay here anymore. And I can't stay here anymore. You know, we sing this song, I Can't Stay Here Anymore. We sing it a lot of times. But are you listening to the words that you're saying? Are you listening to the words? Are you tired of being complacent? 
Are you tired of being complacent yet? It doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong or you're in sin. It just means are you tired of being at the same spiritual level that you've been at for years and years? Are you ready for God to move? It's an honest question. If you say no, it's not like you're going to hell or you're a sinner or something like that. But eventually we get to a place, a crossroads, where we get to where we're comfortable and we like where we're at. We like the come on Wednesday nights, come on Sunday mornings, sing a few words and go home. And you know what? You're not a bad person if that's what you do. But God is calling you to something more. There's a reason the angels circle the throne and cry, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come forever and ever. They've been doing it for eternity. But sometimes we just say it's enough. I got enough of God to make it to heaven. And God is sitting up there saying, oh, but there's so much more. Oh, there's so much more. And then we get a taste of it. We move a little bit further and we get a little closer and we start reading, our, reading the word more and we start studying more. And then a few, about a year after that, we're, we just stay right there. But there's no end to how great he is. There's no end to how amazing he is. There's no end to how deep of him, in him you can get. There's no end. So that's why we can sing the song. I'm ready for deeper. I'm ready for furious flood. I'm ready for glory. I'm ready for kingdom come. I'm ready for deeper. I'm ready for furious flood. I'm ready for glory. I'm ready for kingdom come. Oh, oh, oh. I'm ready, Lord. I want more. 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 So pour it out. I want more. I want more. I want more, I want more, I want more. So pour it out, pour it out. We want more. You know, for a long time, people cried out for revival. People cried out for revival. And we said, oh, we want revival. Not understanding what revival is. Revival is you crying out for more. Revival is God's people, his children, turning aside from things that might not even be bad things. But it's something that just took time. And you said, I just don't have time for that. I got to spend more time with him. I don't have time for that anymore. That's revival. 
the outflow, the overflow, the, the, the byproduct of that is souls being saved. The byproduct of that is the lost coming to know him. But revival is something that's inside of you, not something that's out there. So the next time you catch yourself saying, God, I want revival, remember he's saying, okay, but I got to deal with you. And you might have to give up that thing that you really like. And you say, but God, there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, but, but you want revival. So I need you to give that up and spend more time with me. Oh, I want more, I want more. I want more, I want more, I want more, I want more. So pour it out. I want more, 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 I want more. So pour it out. So pour it out. You're breathing new life into these dry bones. I hear the echo, the sound of heaven's soul. Your spirit's calling me. I know it's time to go, and I can't stay anymore. I can't stay here anymore. And I can't stay here anymore. Oh, oh. You know, one of the one of the problems we face as believers is, and we don't do it intentionally, but we, we live as believers who inhabit her, earth trying to reach heaven. And it's because this is where we are. We're, we're on earth, but we live as believers on earth trying to reach heaven. But let me read you something that the Word of God says. It says, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. So God can point to all the future ages as examples of an incredible wealth of his grace and his kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united in Christ. You see, there's something that happens in the life of believers is we, we get in this place let me pray real quick. Father, I just pray tonight you speak to me. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would, you would have your way. God, don't let me say anything that you don't want said. God, muzzle my mouth. If it's not you, Holy Spirit, I ask you to float. I ask you to anoint my lips to speak your word and truth and love and power. I thank you, God. I thank you for these people. And I thank you for my church family. I thank you for Justin and, and the pastoral staff here, Pastor Bob and Tracy and Nick and all the others, God. I thank you for this body. Lord, I just bless them. I bless Life Church in Jesus' name. Amen. So, so we live as people who, 
And I'll just say it because we don't, we don't study this thing enough. Because this thing right here is supposed to shape our, it's supposed to govern our life is what it's supposed to do. And so the Bible says that we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. So that means we should be living from heaven impacting earth instead of living from earth to try to reach heaven. Because he already finished it. And I know it's like, what do you mean, Tiger? Like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm here on earth. Like, I'm talking about in the spirit. I'm talking about when you go into your prayer room. Because still, we have this habit of praying from earth to heaven. When God has called us, because Jesus himself, he said, you will be one with me as I am one with the Father. So I will be one with you and you will be one with us. So if what he says is true and if the word of God says that, that, that he has seated us in heavenly places with Christ, that means that spiritually we are connected with him. And where is Jesus? He's at the right hand of the Father, right, interceding for us constantly. So that tells me, even from the place of prayer, that I should be praying seated with Christ from heavenly realms and invading earth by it. That means we have the promises and we declare them. It means we know the will of the Father. Can you turn my mic up just a little bit? Thank you. That means we know the will of the Father because we're connected to him. We're not guessing, we're not hoping, we're not wishing. And this is applicable to every part of our life. Everything. It does not matter because there are so many different people in here. And I know most of you, and I know everybody's in a different place. But this is applicable to every believer in every situation. From finances to marriages to children to sickness to salvations, to family members, to broken hearts. It doesn't matter. This is where we're supposed to be. And it's just a shift. It's a shift in our heart. It's like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. For real? Wait, I'm, he has seated me in heavenly places with Christ. I've been united with him. And to know that and understand that, that something happens when that kind of scripture hits your heart. It takes the insecurity of prayer out of your heart. When you go to meet with the Father and, and you feel awkward and you're like, okay, do I pray? Do I not? Do I say something? How about you just sit down and you know you're with him. And then you let him speak when he's ready. And if he says, say this, you speak. If he puts something on your heart to pray, you pray. And this is the key to successful living as Christians, that we know whose we are and we know who we are in Christ. You guys, thank y'all so much. I love y'all. It's good to see y'all tonight. Uh, Justin, thank you. Appreciate you, man. And if you guys want to walk around, shake somebody's hand real quick, give somebody a hug, feel free. Bless somebody in the name of the Lord. I apologize in advance. My sinuses are terrible, and I have this awful habit of uh, so all right I just want to let y'all know I am working on my timing apparently I'm a long-winded preacher 
All right, I want to share a story with you guys that I heard this week. I think it's it's powerful. Um, how many of you people have heard of Alexander the Great? This king that he ruled in Greece for, I believe, 13 years. It wasn't a very long reign, but he was so powerful that he built one of the greatest empires that Greece has ever saw. It says that he was actually undefeated in all his, his, uh, his battles that he went through. I mean, his kingdom, it stretched from, from Greece all the way, I believe, to North Turkey or West Turkey or something like that. It was massive, massive kingdom. And if he wouldn't have died prematurely, he probably would have took over a lot more land. But I heard this story, and it says that Alexander the Great was marching through a city, and he has, I guess it was his armor bearer, some, whoever it was who was closest to him, somebody he confided in, was right there with him. And they come upon this this beggar, this guy who's he's he's homeless, he's he's on a corner. And I, from what I understand, this is a true story. And the guy is he's sitting on the corner, and though he had no right whatsoever to approach this great king, uh, I guess his desperation caused him to be bold enough to do it. And he reaches out to Alexander the Great, and he says, "Sir, can you can you help me? Can you do you have anything to spare for a poor beggar?" And so. The story goes, Alexander the Great pulls out this bag of, of gold coins and uh, he sticks his hand in and grabs as many as he can and he gives them to the beggar and continues on his walk. And so this guy that's with him, his armor bearer, he catches up to him and he says, Sir, sir, don't you know, don't you know that a few silver coins would have more than sufficed for this beggar's needs? Just a few silver coins, that's all he would have needed. And so Alexander the Great says this, he says, that may be true. He said, but only the gold that I gave him would suffice for a king's gift. See, he knew who he was. He knew the power that was on his life. He knew the authority that, that was inside of the kingdom that he had. And even to, to the lowest person that he, he may have ever encountered, maybe not, he gave from a king's position. He didn't give according to this, this beggar's position. He didn't say, well, this will be enough for you. And this is not a, a message on finances. This is not what this is. But he, he saw a need and he gave, he gave from his position, not from the position he saw. So I want to read to you guys. Look what Paul said in, in Romans chapter 1, verse 8. It says, let me say first that I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith and this this is so powerful it says because your faith in him is being talked about all over the world so this is my question tonight are people talking about your faith are they hearing about your faith what is your life demonstrating and I'm not talking about just in in public I'm talking about in private because Sometimes we think private matters don't go any farther than our doorsteps, but little do we know they often do. Somehow, some way, they find their way out. There might be a, a small kid in your house that kids talk a lot, you know, or for whatever reason, just, but how are you living? How is your life being demonstrated? How are you giving of, of who you are and what you are? Not according to our weaknesses, but a, according to his strength, according to who Christ says we are, that we live in a place in our life that 
Because Alexander the Great knew who he was, so his gift was according to his stature, not according to the, the need that the guy had necessarily. He said, no, I'm going to go above. I'm going to go beyond. I'm going to go much farther. And so we've been given this great message. We've been given the gospel of Christ. It's, it's something that comes and it lives inside of us. That we become one. We become, it says that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the same spirit, that that's the spirit that the Bible says lives in us. That is, that is an astounding thought to me. Because if I can be transparent, I can be honest, I don't live like that all the time. I, my actions don't always represent the fact that the Spirit of God lives inside of me. My thoughts don't always represent the fact that the Spirit of God lives inside of me. My words don't always represent the fact that the Spirit of God lives inside of me, and so on and so forth, and, and so it is. So my question is, what about you? Like, where are you at tonight? Because Paul was talking to the Romans, and he says, first he says, he says, look, my heart is so blessed because they are talking about your faith all over the world. But then he goes on a little further and he starts talking about how God's anger is being poured out on, on those who have rejected him because they have uh, worshipped and served the, cre the creation rather than the creator. And he, and he goes on and says all the stuff that they did. And so God gives them over to the depravity of their mind. And, and, and men were burning with lust for men and women for women and all these things. And so he says, God gave him over to it. But then he says to the same people that he, that he compliments, he says, this is what he says. He says, you may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad and you have no excuse. When you say that they are wicked and should be punished, are you condemning yourself? For you who judge others do the very same things. And it goes on a little farther. He says, he says, well then, if you teach others, why don't you teach yourself? If you tell others not to steal, do you steal? If you say it is wrong to commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You condemn idolatry, but you use these items stolen from pagan temples. You're so proud of knowing the law, but you dishonor God by breaking it. No wonder the scripture says the Gentiles blaspheme the name of God because of you. So Paul brings this, this sharp rebuke to the people of Rome. And you've got to remember they're Gentiles there. These are not the Jewish culture. They don't, they don't know the law. They don't understand the law of Moses. They haven't been given it. They, they didn't receive it. They were came to by Paul and the gospel was preached to them and they received this thing afresh. So they had all these, these ways they lived these, these, these patterns that they were used to. And so what he's rebuking, he's saying, hey, this is what God did to these people. This, he's given them over to depraved minds. But don't you get boastful. Don't you get arrogant. Don't you, I mean, for example, it says, if you, if you tell them not to commit adultery, if you're a man or a woman in here and you preach to people, don't, don't commit adultery like that's wrong. But how many times have you curved your wandering eye when Jesus said, if you even look at a woman or a man for that matter with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. So Paul's saying to him, 
You tell them not to do that, but what about yourself? What's, what rod are you measuring yourself with? And this is what I'm talking about when, when I talk about how are you giving? Do people hear of your life? What is the standard that you hold to yourself? Look what it says. Look what, look what Paul said. He says, he said, and this is the message that I proclaim, that the day is coming when God, through Christ Jesus, will judge everyone's secret life. That is the kind of scripture that a man or a woman of God should read daily. It should be something that's so close to your heart, so dear to your heart, because it's easy as a, as a man or a woman who, who walks with God and, and with the world being as wicked as it is, especially in the day that we're living, it's so easy for us to get in our heart pious when all the while the Bible teaches us that God brings us from glory to glory. And most people get excited about that. And we should, because it's a good thing. But we don't consider the fact, if you want to go from one glory to another glory, it's kind of like going up a mountain. And the, 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 the higher you go, the lighter you have to travel. The less stuff you can take with you. And God says, hey, come on up. There's more glory I want you to walk in. But you're not coming with that. And we have this pious idea in our heart that people, and God's saying, no, 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 no. Stop looking at that. I'm trying to show you this in your life. So what kind of giving are we giving him? It could be something as simple as this. You can be a brand new Christian. And I've done this. And I've done this with believers. Me and Jordan, a little over two years ago, uh, he gave his life to Christ. And uh, we were in his home. And he, somebody had given him and Dini a gift. And it was a Buddhist statue. And it was somebody close to him. His sister, matter of fact. Am I right? His sister gave him that. So his only sister. No, I lie. He has, he has another sister, Maddie. But for a time, it was his only sister. And I know how close they are. And I said, hey, man, where'd you get that thing? And he told me, I said, listen, I know you love your sister. I said, but you got to love Jesus more. And I said, this can't stay in your house. And I talked to him about it and I shared with him some of the things that, you know, this thing could be allowing into his home. And so it didn't take but about five minutes. He had agreed. We took this thing outside and, and we tried to set it on fire. It wouldn't burn. So, yeah, it had the devil on it. So we broke it. We broke it up, smashed it up with something. Then he got some lighter fluid in it, and it burned. And so, but at that moment in his life, what was he willing to give? Was he willing to give a king's ransom for Jesus? This is my sister. Like, no, I can't. You know, there are people that would say, look, you're being religious. Like, this is just a statue. This is just something that, you know, and it's important to me, like, there are people that would do that. But if God puts his finger on something in your life, if he puts his finger on cigarettes in your life as a believer, if he puts your fi his finger on a vape in your life as a believer, whatever it may be, you know, as a young Christian, God convicted me of cigarettes and I threw so many packs of cigarettes away. I even went in a dumpster to get one of them. Like, because that chain kept, but I kept, I kept throwing them away. I kept seeking God and, and, and like, I threw them out the window. Like, and religious spirit would once again rise up and say, you can't litter. And I, man, shut up. Like, I'm trying to get free. You don't know what it's like if you ain't never smoked 
and try to get free, to be riding down a road, God's convicting you of doing it, you're lighting a cigarette, and the conviction's so strong, you can't help, but you got to throw the whole pack out. Don't matter where you're at, where you're driving, this is real. But are you willing to go there? How are you living? How are you giving? How are you judging people? How are you judging yourself? What is your time with the, with the Lord? What is your, how are you giving to people? You know you can give to people of your time, of your energy, of your finances, and all the while your motives could be so far from God's heart that at the end of your life it's going to burn up. They'll, they'll benefit from it. But the rewards for yourself will be minimal. You know, Pastor uh, Daryl, Sunday, he said something that was so powerful, and I agree with it. He talked about <clears throat> people being so conscious of the clocks in church, and I understand we live in society, and our kids have to go to school, and, and we have to work, and I get all that, and I, like God understands that stuff too. But there's also a part uh, of us that gets so controlled by the clock, but this is what he said. He said, you know, he said, let your job call you and ask you to walk, or not rather, rather so tell you you're working three extra hours, six extra hours. Uh, you're going to be there. He said, but let the church service go over 30 minutes. And you're complaining because it's time to get to lunch and this and that. And you, oh, you got to get the kids, this and that, all the other things. He said, what you did, he said, your, 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 your earthly check was extended, but your heavenly check was cut short. Because God was still moving. Come on, this is good. He, this was good. He said, God's still moving, and you decided you didn't have time for it. Is that giving from a place? And I'm not, I don't want, I don't want to be super spiritual about this stuff. But if God is moving, are we seated in heavenly places with Christ? Do we know that God's moving? Do we know that he's in it? Or are we just willing to throw up our hands because it's, I mean, it's 1245 on a Sunday. 1245, we're usually out of here at 1230. What if 1245 comes around and 1 o'clock and 130? You know what happened in, Brown, in Brownsville on Father's Day in 1996? Pastor John Kilpatrick got whacked by the power of the Holy Spirit during that service. And he laid... I think he laid there for three or four hours and he woke up and it was afternoon. And then it kept going and going and going. So do we live with that? We ask God, we say, God, can you bring revival in our life? Can you bring revival in our church? But are we ready for it? Are we ready for what it's going to cost us? Are we ready for it to come and rearrange our life? Are we ready for God to send somebody in our life? We say, God, send me to loss. And he sends you the most raggedy person he could find. I'm talking about the, that one. That one that's like, you don't see any potential. Like, you look at him, and you're like, this one? Like, because, yeah, we love, we love everybody, but come on. We're all people. Like, there are some people that get in your path. It's the one that's been failing your entire life. As long as you've been knowing them, they've been failing, and they just don't want God. They come around when they need something. Or they call you for help. And it's like the 50th time. And wisdom, conventional wisdom says, they don't want it. You got to draw boundaries. But what is the Holy Spirit saying? 
And I'm not saying he's telling you to help him. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying, is he telling you to help him? Or is he telling you that? Or are you using your wisdom to make decisions based off of people's circumstances instead of your position? Because if we're seated in heavenly places, people's circumstances don't determine the decisions we make. Jesus' word does. It's what he says. We live from that place because so many times we make decisions. We make decisions with the food we eat based off of our flesh. Not all the time. There are people in here I know that have very healthy diets, but anybody who's struggling with that, that's what we do. And I know it's not easy for anybody. It's not easy to eat clean. Like, it's a hard thing. Some people are better at it than others. But that's a fleshly thing. But if that decision was made from a heavenly place, where we're seated in heavenly places with Christ, where God can, Jesus can tell you not only what to eat, but he can tell you what shirt to wear. What is that? Am I being a nut? Or can Jesus want us to be so close to him that he wants to whisper, hey, there's a shirt in your closet I want you to wear today because you're going to cross paths with somebody and it's going to speak to them. I believe he wants to do that in our life. But if we're so busy trying to survive, just trying to hang on, just trying to maintain, just trying to ask for provision, just trying to, just trying to make it. Am I saying needs don't come up? Absolutely not. I'm going through some currently, but I know who my provider is, and I refuse to, to let fear and anxiety and, and lack of faith rule my house. I refuse to let these decisions change who I am. You understand what I'm saying? I, I, I refuse to let circumstances cause me to start to live from earth trying to grab heaven when Jesus said we're supposed to be seated with him up here moving from this place no matter what we're going through. Romans chapter 2. In verse 29, it says this. And a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God, not from people. Where are we at with that? Have you ever lived in such a way that your life, and we all do it. This is, this is just the reality. We all do this. We live, and, and we live with people, and what people think about us matters. Like, we want people to like us. Like, we, we, want, we want to make other people's lives better. We don't want to be a burden to others. We don't want to feel insecure because we feel like we're bothersome to people. We don't want to seem annoying. We don't want to seem frustrating. All this stuff, like, we care what people think about us. But some of that stuff gets so twisted and it spills over into, it makes our decisions for us. Some people are so scared to even pick up a phone and make a call because they're so worried or concerned what the other person on the other end of the phone is going to think about them when they have something that God put on their heart. And they'll allow that fear and anxiety. There are people like this, I'm telling you, who they won't even pick up the phone and make a call that God has asked them to, to make because they're so worried or concerned that the person's not going to respond to them the way 
that they would want them to. But how, let me ask you this, how can we be rejected by man if God has already accepted us? We can't, right? So that gives us the ability to speak into people's life with love and confidence and truth, no matter what. It doesn't matter how they respond to it. But are we living like a pauper in that area? Are we, are we, are we living as if we're, we're frail and weak and we're powerless? Or are we living as if we're seated? Imagine you're really seated with Christ and you're sitting right there with him in heaven and places. And he says, hey, I want you to speak to that person right there. And you're filled with the power of God and the spirit of God. Absolutely. Because I know what's, what's inside of me is going to change something inside of them. Not because of who I am, but because of who you are, Lord. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And yes, this, this also has to do with how we give to people. God calls us to be generous financially in our giving. But he also calls us to be generous with our time. And I'll be honest, like, I'm not looking for a cookie or anything like that. But I have decided, my wife and I, that we're going to, to the best of our ability, we're going to exhaust ourselves on the kingdom. We have small kids. We have a huge family. There's always a lot going on. I run a business. She works from home. But we try to give every single moment that we have to the kingdom. And I'm not just talking about coming to Life Church. I'm not just talking about Wednesday mornings here. I'm not talking about Wednesday nights here. I'm not talking about Sundays here. I'm not talking about those every other Tuesdays we're doing. That's... I'm talking about to the kingdom of God. Stuff that most of you people will never even know about. Stuff that most of you people will never see, never hear about. A lot of the stuff she doesn't hear about. I've decided to exhaust myself and give far past what I think my physical capacity is because I know that God's kingdom is worth it, that he's called me to live from this place, to believe to believe that everything is inside of me, that he's placed there, it was for the purpose of pouring back out on a generation that's before me, on people that, that the people I see tomorrow may be the only time I ever see them. And what if one of them, what if one of them doesn't make it? And I don't say anything at all. Whether it be with the way I treat them, because you can speak, you can, you can get Jesus on people with the way you treat them. You really can. Sometimes people will be going through such a bad place. All you've got to do is generally lock eyes with them and ask them how their day's going and, and just speak with them with genuine concern for who they are. No ulterior motives other than to get Christ all over them, that they would know the hope that you carry. And that's it. And this changes people's lives. I heard a story of a young man that was, he was in a gas station in that night, he made decision he was going to kill himself. And there was a pastor friend of mine. Uh, she, she tells me, she says, you know, she said, Tiger, I, was, I never met this guy. She said, but I walked in the store and he was working. It was his Circle K and he's standing there. She said, and I bought what I was, I was getting and I walked out and I go back to my car. She said, and the Lord spoke to me. She said, I didn't say anything to him. I, I bought it. I said, thank you. She said, the Lord spoke to me to go back in there that he had a suicidal spirit that tonight he was going to end his life. 
that's a bold thing to come and tell somebody. Like, it's hard. It's hard. Like, if you miss it, you know what I'm saying? But it's the fear of man. Can you imagine God saying, hey, they got a suicidal spirit. They're going to kill themselves tonight. I want you to go back in there. Okay? And you go in, and you share that with them, and they look at you like you're nuts. Like, sorry, you're off. I'm not suicidal at all. I'm just ready to go home. Like, but she wasn't off. This young man was so suicidal, and she took him in, into the side of the store, and she, she ministered the gospel to him, and he broke, and he started to cry, and she shared this hope that she had with him, and she became a mother to him spiritually. And today, he's serving the Lord, and this was over six and a half years ago, and he's still serving the Lord. He's had some struggles or whatever. But she took a chance. She lived from here. She didn't let maybe a bad day, which is easy to have, determine if she was going to. We can't leave this place, y'all. We can't. Even on long days, exhausting days. Pastor Tracy, at the end of four and a half weeks of camp, or however long it was, was it longer than that? It was long, though. However long she was there, long time, working hard, a lot of kids, exhausting. In those moments, Jesus still calls us to live from heavenly places, to be seated in heavenly places. Because he said, he said, in your weakness, my strength is made perfect. So we're more prone to see the power of God move in our weakest points. It's just to know it. It's to know that I'm tired, I'm exhausted, it's been a rough day. Jesus, here's your moment. Because I am so weak right now. But in my weakness, your strength is made perfect. And so this is how we let this train our thinking. And we let it get over all over people, everywhere. That our life is, is governed by the word of God and, and we take it serious. And we prayed this this morning. There was a group of people here this morning praying for the church and for the body. And, and we prayed because it's the scripture. It says, your word is health to my flesh. That's what it says. So to me, that means the more of the word of God in me, the healthier I'll be. Maybe it doesn't mean that I'll automatically become healthy, but maybe this word will convict my life so much that the strength of God and the power of the Holy Spirit will fill me in such a way that I have the grace and the ability to make better choices. Whatever way God wants to do it. If he wants to whack me and just help me lose about 45 more pounds, I'm good with that. But either way it comes, this word is true. And let every man be a liar. Because people will lie to you. They will speak their wisdom to you. They will speak their opinions to you. They will get their junk all over you. They will carry in stuff from the weak and they'll throw it up on you. And in that moment, you can either receive it, embrace it, or you can reject it. I didn't say reject them. Because sometimes people just need a vent and you need to be a, a foundational place for them to come. But so many people, God puts you in a position where you have an opportunity to be a voice to somebody, to speak into their life, to share the hope, and instead we fuel the fire in their life, and we join in with what they're doing, what they're saying, what they're thinking. Instead of putting a blanket, a wet blanket on it, and putting that thing out and saying, no, that's not the Lord. 
and I know you're frustrated, and I know you're aggravated, and I know those people are really, like, pressing your buttons, but we're, we're believers, and this is what the Bible says, how we're supposed to live, and this is how we're, hey, let's pray for them right now. Sometimes you get crazy looks. Do you know the first person in my life that told me no when I said, can I pray with you, was my very own father? Talk about, worried about the fear of man. This was the man in my life, and this was as a young believer, that I had the most fear to pray with. I would pray with everybody. I worked at this loop shop in Crowley, and everybody got it. Like, we, we preached the gospel there. We tried to grow out legs. We did everything. We ministered. We shared hope. And my daddy would come through there, and he'd just be manifesting. He was just, he was bound up by some stuff. And, he's, and I was like, I said, Daddy, can I pray with you? And he looked at me, and he says, F no. And he, and he leaves, and this is my dad. And this, is, this wasn't who he was, but he had these things that he fought in the middle age of his life. And I, and, and I was like, and I could, that could have stopped me from ever wanting to pray with anybody else again. But about 15 minutes later, his little car it went back around. He pulled up, he got out, and he said, son, I'm sorry. He said, I will pray with you. And we prayed together. But something could have happened in my life that could have hindered, something would have been hindered inside of me if I wouldn't have took that moment. That I was scared. You hear what I'm saying? I was scared. My daddy was a man. Even as an old man, he was a man. And he carried a gun. Like, and I was, I was scared to approach him with this. And I always had Miss Sharon in my corner. Me and her would be on the phone talking about it, praying over him. And, and it was such a beautiful thing what he did at the end of my father's life in spite of the junk. But uh, I could have I could allowed that thing to really rob me of a moment to be bold and believe Christ can do anything. And I believe with all of my heart. I believe the Lord showed me this in a dream. I believe with all of my heart that my father made it. And he passed away in 2020, the same day that Kobe Bryant died. And I know that I know that I know in my heart that he's with the Lord. I fasted and prayed three days that he would be filled with the Holy Spirit, locked myself in my prayer house, and I said, God, you've got to do something. He doesn't have much time left. And I know Miss Sharon was praying for him. She was witnessing. She was ministering. And God did it. He called me the moment I come out. The moment I came out, he called me. He said, Tiger, I need to be filled with the Spirit of God. And so I prayed with him over the phone, and it wasn't... A month later, he had passed away. But I know that God showed me in a dream that he had made it. And so, but why am I saying this? It went from me just having enough faith to minister to him in that way, just to ask him, yeah, daddy, can I pray for you? To having enough tenacity to push away work, to push away my wife, to push away my children, to lock myself in this building without coming out for three days. Just me and Jesus saying, God, you've got to do something. You've got to do something. And if I would have never asked him to pray, I don't know that I would have ever did that. I don't know if I'd have had the, the faith or the boldness. So you don't know what God wants to do in your life through those little moments. Through the big yeses, through the little moments. I'm going to put them that way. Big yeses through little moments.
It might seem the other way around, but it's not. It's big yeses. Your yes, your Alexander the Great moment where you give from a king's position into the poverty of somebody whose disposition is so low that your flesh could decide this is what I'm going to allot them because of who they are. But Christ says, no, we're supposed to live from another place. Christ convicts you of sin in your life. You're supposed to attack it from the place of a king. You know, they would take their enemies and they'd burn them. They'd cut their heads off. They'd, they, would, they would destroy their enemies. And as kingly royalty, priests, the enemies of the cross in your life must be aggressively attacked. I've broken stuff. I've burned stuff. I've, I've, I've thrown stuff out the window. I've, I've bashed objects, like all these things If God puts his hand on it, his finger on it in his life. If there's something in your life that God's placing his finger on it, I dare you to be bold enough to be a little eccentric and go set it on fire. If there's something in your life that, or, or, or break it with a bat, like get a little wild and say, God, this is my devotion to you. And watch what he'll do. Because Jesus is looking for people with wild hearts who don't care what other people think, only care what he thinks about them. That's what he wants. He only cares if we care what he thinks. And he does not like it that we worry about what other people think. I want to close with this. So letting, and this is, this is the opposition that we face, even as believers, anything we do that's short of what God desires that we do is sin. If God desires that we do something and we fall short and we do something else, disobedience to God is sin. It is. Do you guys agree with that? Disobedience to him is sin. It says, so letting your sin nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. You see, there's a peace. Yeah, there have been times in, in Christy and I's life where everything in the account goes. And it wouldn't be much, four or $500. Everything goes because God said so. And by the way, there's a light bill right around the corner. And that's what that's for. But he says, everything goes. But what does it say? It says, the spirit, when it controls your mind, it leads to life and peace. You can have, you can have finances secure for something. Here's the need. Here's the finances. And you have it already. And God says, I want you to take that money and I want you to sow it in this place, somebody's life, just hypothetically. If you're obedient, you will maintain the peace of God, even with the uncertainty about where it went. I'm speaking from experience. I'm telling you what I know, what I've encountered in my life. Or you can disobey God and physically be secure and have what you ha need for, for the need. And lose your peace. A thousand times over, I'd rather have the peace of God on my life. 
And this goes, this goes in every single thing that God tells us to do. If he tells you to make a phone call to somebody. But it's dangerous. This person's wild. Like, you don't know what they're going to say. They might attack you. They might call you every name in the book. But God spoke to your heart to, to reach out to them. You can play it safe because you know that if you don't make the call, they can't attack you. But you will lose your peace in disobedience to God. Or if God says, I want you to do this, you can risk it all. But how can you kill a dead person? We're supposed to be dead, right? They can't do anything to us. That's, that's the truth. And if it hurts, good. You're still alive and you need to die. It's just a, a wake-up call. Every time we get offended, it's a wake-up call. You don't take it out on the person that offended you. You move closer to Christ. No matter what. No matter what. You hear what I'm saying? No matter what. If you get offended by somebody, don't take it out on them. Move closer to Christ until that thing no longer stings. And if you get so close to Christ that that no longer stings, you're in a good place. You're right where you should be. I'm going to pray for you. God, I thank you for, for my friends, my brothers, my sisters in Christ. Lord, I thank you that you've called us to a higher standard of living. God, you've called us to, a, you've called us to be seated in heavenly places with Christ. God, you've called us to, to live our life from that, that throne room. God, you've called us to, to make decisions that we would give our lives from that place, that we wouldn't give it from a poverty-stricken, earthbound vessel that, that is just trying to maintain. No, God, you've called us higher. You've called us as royalty, God. You've called us to live from a place of power, of glory, of majesty, of righteousness, of holiness, of peace, joy, and righteousness in the Holy Spirit. That's what you've called us to do. You've called us to live from that place. And God, right now, I break the power of the lies of the enemy over, over the people of God. Lord, the insecurities, the blows he strikes where he tries to make us think we're lesser than we are. We're nothing without you, but with you, Lord. You give us all our value. And you said it. You said we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. That means we can minister to the one when nobody sees it means we can give all you've asked us to give. It means we can love with all the love that Christ has stored in our hearts. God, it means we can live unoffended. It means we can live with pure motives, pure intentions, pure desires. It means that your word is true. It means that you govern our life. Lord, we want to be a people filled with fire, love, anointing, peace, joy, righteousness, understanding of who you say we are. That way we can do the things you've called us to do in the most effective way, God. Lord, we're not looking for positions. We're looking to shift our disposition. We want to set our eyes. We want to lock eyes with you, Jesus. We want to hear your heartbeat. And God, we want to live and breathe and move from that place. So, Lord, I thank you for mercy over your people. God, we love you so much. We bless you. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Thank you, guys.